Hello and welcome to the Tennis Fanlist podcast, the really busy week with Wimbledon just around the corner. I'm your host, Marcus Alley, and joining me fresh off the back of going to Eastbourne qualification yesterday and going back for the main draw tomorrow is Michael Gillett. How are you doing? Fresh off the back of getting very sunburnt, unfortunately. Uh, bit stupid me sitting on court one in the sun. Uh, didn't take any sun cream, but it was, it was a good day's tennis. Uh, saw some some good matches uh, and I'm really buzzing about going uh, tomorrow where we'll get to see some ATP and WTA matches. Um, so yeah, no, it'd be, be really good. Yeah, it's a local one for myself and Michael, the, the Eastbourne 250 tournament. So we're going to be making the most of that this week and uh, yeah, taking as much of the action as we can. But Eastbourne, we're going to be discussing that towards the end of this episode. I'm going to start by reacting to last week's 500 events in London at Queen's Club and Halle in Germany. We're going to start with Queen's. Now, Matteo Berrettini, despite taking, in my opinion, quite a lot of disrespect off the broadcasters, uh, maybe that he couldn't hear while he was playing uh, this week, managed to come through and take the title as top seed. The world number nine beat three British players on his way to taking that title. So maybe fueling a little bit of the negative narrative that he was receiving, but he beat Cam Norrie in the final. What a sensational season Norrie is having. He's up to a career high of world number 34 and he managed to take Berrettini to a deciding set in the final as well. Uh, the Italian coming through 6-4, 6-7, What did you make of Berrettini's week? I know there's been a lot made of his form on the grass, got a great serve, a massive forehand. And with uh, Rafael Nadal, of course, pulling out of Wimbledon, it's it's definitely going to be a, a bit more open on on one side of the draw in particular, you'd think. So as, as we as we mentioned in the, in the French Open with, with Nadal and, and Djokovic in the same side of the draw, opening up the bottom half, I think Berrettini is definitely a name to throw into the hat should should he get a nice little draw there coming next week? Yeah, I would disagree slightly on the um, the, the broadcasting sort of narrative of Berrettini. I think at the beginning, it was very much... Uh, I watched his match against... Uh, uh, I think it was the Andy Murray match, wasn't it? The second round match or, or third round. Um, no, it was second round. And... Um, the, the narrative was very much sort of just a, a big server, hasn't got too many other weapons. But I, I do think, to be fair, as the week went on, that the broadcasters were taken by him a little bit because the amount of times I've heard uh, Sue Barker saying this week that uh, he, he could be a Grand Slam champion very soon. Uh, she, she was getting very excited about him and, and, and telling everyone that uh, Berrettini could be winning Wimbledon uh, in a couple of weeks' time. And, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting point because as you say, I mean, Djokovic of course has to be everyone's favourite to win this. You've got uh, Nadal's out of the draw. Federer of course shouldn't be challenging this year, you would think. Um, So it does definitely open it up and if Djokovic does go out early or pull an injury or or, or just doesn't play as well as everyone's expecting him to play for, I think Berrettini has got to be quite near the top of that list of players that you would think could win it after Djokovic. I, I wouldn't say top of the list, but I, for me, definitely top four players, I think, outside Djokovic that could win Wimbledon. I think out, after Djokovic, there's a lot of players that could win it, but I'm not sure would win it if given the chance. Uh, so, so it could be really interesting. I, I think he's got an excellent game for grass. Uh, the serve this last week has, has just been fantastic. Uh, he didn't face a break point in either his semi-final or his final. Um, in fact, the the first match uh, against Travaglia, he was broken in his first service game of each set. Uh, after that, he didn't get broken at all. He did face some break points against Andy Murray uh, and I think Dan Evans as well, but uh, they didn't break him. Um, you know, just a, a fantastic week for Berrettini. Definitely uh, has the grass court pedigree, having won in, in Stuttgart in 2019. Um, and, and it's his second title of the year as well, with that coming on clay. So I think that really does show you that at the age of 25, this guy's got a lot of variety already. And I definitely think he could be a future Grand Slam winner. You know, I, certainly going forwards, so I think Wimbledon would be tough. Uh, I still think there's a bit of development that, that he would need to 
to take, but he he definitely has looked really impressive this week. Um, and he's been a top ten player for a long time. Last year, obviously, wasn't the best year for him and was favoured a bit by the ranking system. Um, but this year, he's completely shown us why he should still be in the top ten. I think, and and certainly last week. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting outshot. Maybe when we look at the outrights moving in, moving into Wimbledon. But I, I do think one reason that we're talking him up so highly is because we've got this quick turnaround. You know, really with two weeks in between the French Open and Wimbledon, so it's quite tough to get your preparation right and to show your best form and look like you're going into Wimbledon in really good shape. And Berrettini has probably showed one of the best levels we've seen from any player, obviously, just in, in that one week uh, so far with Queens and Haller. Obviously, there was Stuttgart before that, but that was that was still with Roland Garros going on. Uh, a word on Cam Norrie, what, what a season he's having, as I've mentioned. I thought it was a real bonus, in my opinion, to see how well he performed on the clay. I, I wasn't really expecting that. And now to transfer it straight onto the grass straight away has is, is been really impressive. Um, he really is beating everyone in his way. I think every every loss that he's had in sort of the last few months, I've thought, you know, they're a quality player. It, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's acceptable. And to take Berrettini to a deciding set as well was very impressive. Beat Albert Ramos Vinolas in the first round in London, um, getting revenge for the Estoril final, of course. Uh, then Aslan Karatsev in straights, Jack Draper in straights. We'll come on to him later. And of course, uh, Denis Shapovalov in that semi-final. Um, yeah, what, did, what what have you made of Norrie's form? I, you know, I, world number 34. I, I did not think we'd be saying that at the start of this year. Yeah, Cam Norrie, I think, is one of those really impressive players that you like to see reaching heights in the game because he hasn't got an obvious weapon, if you know what I mean. Every player sort of at the top, you know, you look at either, either their serve, their forehand, their backhand, you know, they've all got those standout shots, whereas... Cam Norrie is one of those players who's just one of those real grinders, doesn't have uh, that one standout weapon. He, he hasn't actually got a, that big serve, but the placement he can put on his serve is really, really good. I noticed this week, uh, though he might not be hitting it at the, the 130 mile per hour that, that Berrettini can deliver, he can deliver almost as effective serves just with the placement. Uh, he can hit the lines so well. And, and I, I think... For me, that, that win over Shapovalov really stands out. Um, he Shapovalov was having a, a decent week. You know, grass courts do suit his, his playing style. Um, and, and to beat him 7-5, 6-3, and I, I watched a little bit of that match, and I, I thought it was quite comfortable for Nori. Um, Karatsev in the second round didn't really turn up, to be honest. I was a bit disappointed with, with Karatsev. And obviously, Nori was pushed quite hard in his first round match against Ramos Vinolas, but after that first match, uh, having gone a set down to Ramos Vinolas, who is a player, of course, we would associate much more with the clay. I mean, it's a great recovery for, for Nori. Um, and as I say, I'm just really pleased to see a player of that sort reach 34 in the world because he isn't one of these dominating players that uh, you, you can sort of pigeonhole into one kind of strength as you can with a lot of the players. Um and I think he could go further, you know. I, I don't think he'll be challenging for slams at any point or, or challenging to get in the top 10 or anything. But uh, I, I do think there's room to keep going. He's still got to get that title. I think it's four titles, uh, four finals now he's been in and and, and three of them this year, uh, not taken one. That, I think, for me, is definitely next step. Um, and, and then I, I don't see why he couldn't try and push for sort of a, a top... 20 place maybe um it, it has been really impressive from Norrie he's only 25 as well uh, same as Berrettini so um you know he's still got a lot of years left but uh really 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 pleased to see him doing well and I think uh it was uh, a bit of a surprise actually I think with Berrettini uh maybe not so much at Queen's to go that far but uh, when you looked at some of those players in that draw I, I really wasn't expecting Cam Norrie to, to make the final so it's really good on him for doing that. Yeah, it's always nice to see a Brit in the final at Queen's with the home crowd. I think if he carries on playing the way he's going, I, I do think he wins a title this year. Um, plenty of time left, plenty of time, even sort of after the US Open um, to really to really kick on. So I think, yeah, at 25, it's a great age. Uh, and yeah, he's got plenty of time. One player that he did beat on the way to the final, I'm going to bring this guy up first, is Jack Draper. Uh, one of the standout names of the tournament, despite only winning two matches. 
he really did stun me definitely and and you as as knocking out your your winner pick Yannick to, to beat Yannick Sinner 7676 in the first round and then he repeated the act uh, beating Alexander Bublik with two titles in the second nice left-hander massive serve 19 he's up to 250 in the world as a result he was outside the world's top 200 narrowly so a, a really nice boost up there um, um he's got a wild card into Wimbledon in, in the first round so definitely one to keep an eye on um obviously we've got Draper um sorry we've got Cameron Norrie going into Wimbledon in, in such good form he's now withdrawn from Eastbourne just to um really make sure he's 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 in tip-top shape for the first week but yeah Draper can definitely ruffle some feathers in the first round of Wimbledon. And what did you make of these two performances? Yeah, well, I know we, we spoke a little bit about him on the last podcast with uh, that win against Sinner coming the, the day before we recorded. Um, but uh, yeah, really, really powerful game. Great for a grass court. It's probably because uh, he's quite a big server. And I don't really remember having a British big server for a while. Um, re- re- really impressive game for the grass courts, as I say. Um, he looked, that one time we had seen him play earlier this year against Mikhail Kukushkin in Miami, I think, um, the Masters. Uh, he obviously was playing quite well. I think he'd lost that first set narrowly. And I, I want to say it was maybe ahead in the second. I can't remember. Um, but he, 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 I think he almost fainted, didn't he? And he had to retire. Um, you could tell then that uh, he, he was a good player. He's a Wimbledon junior finalist. Um and yeah, two brilliant wins, Sinner and Bublik. Uh, Sinner, one of the most exciting players on the tour right now. Bublik having probably one of the best years uh, on the tour, certainly his best year. Um, when I say best year on the tour, I, I mean more like sort of just outside those those big players. Um, so yeah, really good. I, I think against Norrie, uh, he was a Bit, he was a level below where he was against Bublik. Uh, he was helped a little bit by Bublik at times as well, who, as we know, can be a bit weird on his day and, and start throwing in all sorts of stuff. But it's definitely really promising. Uh, 19 years old, I think it's a shame not to see him play Eastbourne this week. Um, with that wild card into Wimbledon, doesn't have to play qualifying. Um, he's only played three matches last week. I know it all would have been a bit overwhelming for him, but... Um, I, I would have liked to have seen him play Eastbourne, to be honest, um, because if he can keep up the form that he had at Queen's, you know, Eastbourne is a little bit of a weaker lineup, so he maybe could have gone a little bit deeper if if the draw was kind to him. But you know, hey, we'll we'll see where he gets put on the Wimbledon draw. It would be really nice to see him have a, a sort of winnable match against one of your sort of out of form players, a, a, a certain couple of, uh, well, a certain Frenchman comes to mind in, in Benoit Pair. I think he would definitely be there for the taking uh, if Draper was to draw him. Or, otherwise, it would be really nice to see Draper get uh, Andy Murray uh, or uh, Roger Federer, um, maybe even Djokovic, because it will be interesting to see how he does on, on that stage. And perhaps on a centre court against someone like uh, Sasha Zverev, who we all know is is sometimes a little bit unreliable. You know, perhaps uh, the crowd could really push Dre Prom and have a brilliant match. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how he does at Wimbledon. But yeah, really excited about Jack Draper. Um, he's got a great game and he's really convinced me this week that uh, he could certainly become a, a sort of a top 100 tour level player. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned a certain out of form Frenchman there in Benoit Pair. Now, Andy Murray took advantage of his lack of demeanour, motivation, um, etiquette at times in in that match. Uh, Andy Murray, of course, getting through his first round match and then going out uh, in quite straightforward fashion to the eventual champion Berrettini in the second round. Murray's up a little bit to 119 in the world as a result, but has a wild card into Wimbledon's first round, of course. What did you make of Murray's week overall, I think? He didn't have too much to do against Pear, really. I think we, we discussed afterwards that we thought maybe a, a player of far less capabilities than Andy Murray could have got the better of Pear in uh, that match. But he seemed to come through it physically OK. Um, obviously, he's not very match fit, but um, it would seem like he, he he's going into Wimbledon feeling, you know, it, it did look like he was playing, playing pain-free tennis, which, of course, is, is good to see. Yeah, I feel like it was 
perhaps we didn't really gauge too much from where Murray is with that first match. He was sort of dealt a helping hand by Pear, who was playing his very unorthodox uh, style of just sort of hitting the ball wherever he feels like it. I, I actually don't think that man knows what he's going to do until he does it. It's it's quite remarkable. I think him and Bublik are sort of a little bit similar in that respect, but Pear's even a bit more extravagant, maybe. Um, and then against Berrettini, I think it was just too hard of a match for Murray to really challenge in. So uh, I, it was a shame maybe to not see Andy Murray come up against uh, someone perhaps more at his level at the moment. Maybe, uh, I, I, I don't know, I don't know if I could name drop anyone uh, in particular, but he, he's come up against perhaps one of the weakest players in the draw right now, and then one of the, well, the best player in the draw with it being the winner. So I think can't gauge too much from where he's at, at the moment. And I think the fact that he's chosen not to play Eastbourne because he did say afterwards he wasn't sure and he'd give it a day to think about it, but, it, but he said it might not be likely. I think that maybe tells us that he's perhaps just a little bit worried. Um, Wimbledon, of course, needs to be priority for him. So I get why he's not playing Eastbourne. But um, that, for me, does indicate that he, he feels he still isn't fit enough to play Eastbourne. So when it gets to those best of five set matches, if he is taken to a four or five setter in that first round of Wimbledon, even if he can get through it, I, I think I would fear for him a little bit in, in the next match. But I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know what his aims are. Does he just want to be playing pain-free? Or will he have in his head, maybe he might not admit this at a press conference, does he have in a he his head like a stage that he'd like to get to? I'm not sure. Um, but it will be exciting to see him in Wimbledon. And with him not being seeded, uh, he could get anyone in the first round. Uh, so, you know, it could be really fun to see Djokovic-Murray first round. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't provide Murray with too much of a chance in that match. But uh, it, it would certainly be a, a great occasion. And, and we don't know if this is going to be Murray's last Wimbledon. Um, yeah, we, we don't know. So, yeah, be interesting to see. I I think from this week, as you say, looks like he's pay, playing pain-free, which is good. Um, but I just can't gauge too much from, from those two matches to really put much of a prediction on it yet. Yeah, I think it was a little bit like going from level two to level ten in between sort of first round and second round. So yeah, it was it was too easy and then far too hard. Uh, so yeah, hard to see um, Murray's real resolve if he was to sort of drop a set um, against a more of a run of the mill player than than he did face. And moving away from the Brits, actually no, we've got one more Brit to talk about before we move away from the Brits, and that's Dan Evans. Um, not necessarily had such great success on grass courts in his career. But you have to say now at 31 years old and after a really strong last couple of seasons, he's probably in, you know, in the best form coming into a Wimbledon than we've ever seen him at. He's, he's world number 26. I'm not sure if that's his career high. If it's not, then it's very close. Um, he beat Alexei Popyrin and Adrian Manorino at Queen's before going out to the eventual champion Berrettini, of course. Um so nothing really to write home about for me. I thought the Poppy Rim win was quite good. I think he did it in straight. So that was he made that look a lot easier than it than it could have been. Um, his slam best is a fourth round. He's only done that once at the Australian Open. He's made two third rounds at Wimbledon, including the most recent edition of the tournament in 2019. What are your expectations? What, what are you thinking about Evans coming into coming into Wimbledon? Obviously, we don't we don't have the benefit of seeing the draw, but I for one expect him to make the third round at least. Yeah, I think for me, that's got to be his aim. He'll obviously, if he makes the third round, he'll be drawn to come up against the top 16 player. Um, yeah, I mean, he played all right at Queen's. Um, he played well against Berrettini, to be fair. I think other than the Norrie in the final, and, and actually Trevalier did challenge Berrettini. I, I didn't see a, a, a lot of that match because I think we were recording at the time. Um, but but he, he certainly challenged Berrettini more than, than Dimonur and Murray did. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would say same as uh, to get to a third round for me is probably what he'd be looking to do. Uh, grass, as you say, certainly isn't his best surface uh, in, in terms of previous results. Um, 
I don't think he's ever made a, a Queen's quarterfinal in in about. Uh, I, I had it written down actually uh, last podcast. I, I want to say it was about seven eight appearances at Queen's. Uh, he did make the quarterfinal. Did he? Did he make it this? Oh, sorry, yeah. he made it this time. Yeah, sorry, that was his first one. That's why I had it written down. Um, sorry, my bad. Um, that was his first Queen's quarterfinal in. I want to say eight or nine attempts, possibly. Um, so yeah, I, 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 as you say, if he gets to the third round, well done to him. Um, and and maybe in that third round he won't come up against a top sixteen player, and it will be a, a sort of a winnable match. I, I want to say that last Wimbledon he went out in the third round to Dusan Lajovic. I know he went out to Lajovic. It was either second or third round. Um, you know that I think is a match at your home Grand Slam. You do want to be winning. Um, and and he hasn't really shown that too much at Wimbledon. The the what we'd expect, but uh, yeah, that that's sort of my long-winded prediction. Yeah, I've got one that sticks out of him losing to Joao Souza, not really a grass court player at Wimbledon as well, in a bit of an epic match. Just another frustrating exit for him. I, I do think he's got a Grand Slam quarter final in his locker. Maybe not like the, in, in the rest of this year, but obviously he's thirty-one, so maybe he doesn't have too much time. But I, I do think Evans has the talent to make the last eight at some point of a slam. Yeah, so I think I just want to correct myself. Possibly now you've said that I think he might have beat Lajovic in the second round and gone out to House Alza. Uh, it was twenty nineteen. I'm, I'm fairly certain it was twenty nineteen. The last one with Salza had that little run. Uh, so yeah, I think I think I was wrong in saying that he lost to Lajovic and he beat him and then lost to to Salza. The last man we want to highlight in Queens Club was Alex de Menor, and it was good to see him get a little run under his belt. I know myself and and you have been sort of reacting as if he's been having a really bad year. I checked the rankings. Obviously, maybe this a little bit um, inflated by the points that he earned by reaching the semi final last week. But he's only twenty. He's twenty seven in the year to date rankings. Eighteen in the official rankings. So for us to think he's had such a bad year yet he's still performing in the top thirty, I have to say it's pretty decent. Um, he beat Laszlo Gere, John Milman, who'd actually put out Riley Opelka in the first round, which impressed me. And most impressively of all, an inform, finally, I've been waiting to say this for a, a few years now, an inform Marin Cilic uh, in, in the quarterfinal. So it was a good week for the Australian. And at 22 years old, it's, it's good to see him still on that sort of positive curve. And it'll be interesting, of course, to see uh, how he gets on at Eastbourne this week. Yeah, that Chilich win really surprised me. That was a, a brilliant win for, for Dimoneur. I think, to be honest, I just don't really think he's got the game to go that much further. Maybe I'm going to eat my hat a little bit in, in a year's time if he does sort of end up getting to the the top 10 or something. I guess that's maybe next step for him being at 18 in the world. Uh, he wants to push on and get into sort of top 15, then challenge for top 10. But uh, I just don't really think he's he's got the natural attributes for it. He's quite um, he's not built that much. He's a quite a skinny skinny guy. Um, hasn't got much of a much of a powerful game. Um, I, you know, I talked about obviously Cam Norrie uh, doesn't really have those big weapons and sort of grinds it out a little bit. And I'd maybe say Dimoner is like that. He's very quick. His court coverage is brilliant. I watched his match against John Millman at Queen's uh, just gone and, and some of the balls he makes are fantastic. But I just feel that those sorts of players have a bit of a ceiling. Uh, and, and I do wonder if Dimoner is one of them that I, I don't see getting as far as, as other players in the rankings. So I just don't know if he's got it physically. But um, I think... We've both put him to get fairly far this week at Eastbourne. I think you might have him to win it. Um, I've got him to the semi, I think. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see We'll see how it goes for him. But definitely was due a good week, uh, I think. Even though maybe he hasn't had an as bad year as we were saying, I can't really remember him having too many massive results this year. And, and for me, this stands out in one of his best runs of 2021. Yeah, he won a tournament in the opening week. I think it was Antalya. But since then, very, very little um, from, from Diminor. It'd be interesting to see. Obviously, you say about not a lot of power, but he's ended up having a good week on the grass. Be interesting to see. Obviously, running, you know, the yards that he puts in is, is one of his strengths. 
Um, but you can't really rely on, on a defensive game for, for too long. It's not, not really that sustain, sustainable. So I, I do see where you're coming from with looking at the scene. And I mean, he's managed to achieve a world number 18 at the age of 22. So it's very impressive. Hopefully, maybe we can see him develop his physique a, li- a little more accustomed to the, the types of body types that we're seeing in, in, in the top 10 at the moment and, and maybe kick on a bit. Obviously, 22 still got still got plenty of time. Yeah, I think if... Uh we were to have a, a sort of marathon race between all of the players in the top 100. I think Dimonor would maybe be my favourite to win it. Uh, amazing court coverage, built a lot more like a runner than a tennis player, actually. Uh, yeah, I would, I would maybe, I'd maybe tip him. Uh, Monfils is a sprinter, Dimonor is a, a long distance runner. Fair enough. I think my money would be on tennis Sangren in that race. I think he's, he's really got a runner's build. Um, anyway, Moving on from Alex Dimonor, I think that concludes our chat on Queen's Club, a thoroughly enjoyable tournament. And um, we're going we're gonna to move on to Germany now and the tournament that took place in Halle. Uh, now, a winner that I don't think any of us were expecting here. Um, a real warrior of a week from Ugo Umber, the Frenchman, getting his second ATP Tour title and his first at 500 level. Um, another player that we went big on, I know, at the start of the season, I'm pretty sure I expected him to break into the top 20, and I think I said that he could get top 15. Now, this win, a huge 500 ranking points for him, gets him up to world number 25, so it gets his season very much back in line where we're, where we were hoping. Now, the reason I call him a warrior is because Every match that he played until the final went the distance. He beat Sam Querrey in three, Sasha Zverev, Seb Korda and Felix Auger-Aliassime, all in deciding sets. So really showing some incredible nerve and just some really good form uh, coming into Wimbledon, a player who has struggled on clay courts in his career. So maybe we, we, we shouldn't hold that against him too much. But in this short grass court season, he's really looking to fill his boots. And he beat Andre Rublev 6-3-7-6 in the final. Rublev a year older than Umber, but uh, comfortably higher in the rankings, world number seven. He beat Hatchinov, Jordan Thompson, Philip Kohlschreiber and Nikolas Basilashvili on the way to the final. I thought it could be a good match, but I expected Rublev to get the better of Umber here. Um, so yeah, a really impressive week for the Frenchman. Yeah, very good. Um, wasn't something so much that I considered uh, Umber being so good on grass, but thinking about it, it does make sense. Uh, I think it's his first, uh, yeah, first grass court title and and, and his third title, um, first one in 2020. Um, but yeah, his, his game matches the grass courts really well. Big server, um, you know, powerful hitter um, and, and also brilliant court coverage, actually. He, he really... Can, can run around as well. Um, maybe another sort of good front runner in my my made-up marathon race. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, an amazingly impressive week, actually. To go three sets with with Sam Querrey in the first round is is no shame at all. You know, Querrey has beaten Djokovic on grass before. What, whatever age Querrey is, you, you expect him to turn up and do well on the grass. But uh, that win over... You know, Sasha Zverev, really, really good. It obviously did a little annoy me a little bit because I think it was what a one Marcus of predictions contest on that tournament because I had Zverev through to win the tournament. So I was a little bit annoyed having going a set up that Zverev went on to, to lose that match. Um, Corder as well had looked good. I, I think I saw Corder in the round before that. I'm trying to recall who he played now. Yeah, he beat Nishikori at some point. I don't that know if that's the one you're thinking of. That was it. Yeah, yeah, I did watch that corner Nishikori match. Um, and yeah, he, he looked good in that match, uh, Sebastian Corder. Um, and of course, Orjan Asim, having made the, the final of Stuttgart the week before, um, was, was also on really, really good form. So these are fantastic wins that Umber got. Um, and to do Rublev in straights. Really impressive. Um, and he's up to a career high of 25. I'm not sure if you'd said that, sorry, uh, for Umber. Um, but, you know, really, really good. And I think, as we said, the, for that sort of top 20, top 15, perhaps so far this year, he'd let us down a tad. Um, but, you know, being at 25, definitely could still break top 20, maybe top 15. Top 15. He'd have to uh, have some really good tournaments, but I don't, see why he couldn't go far at Wimbledon if he gets a good draw, especially after a week like this. Um, he is still down to play 
uh, Mallorca this week uh, and Bear. I think on my predictions, I've put whoever he's playing uh, to beat him just because I thought he might be a little bit... Uh, Kecmanovic, uh, I've got to beat him. Just I thought Humbert perhaps either could be a bit tired or might pull out quite late uh, but with the week he's had and obviously Wimbledon coming up. But really impressive. I, I did want to ask you something uh, about Andre Rublev. Um, obviously staying... He's, he's still at his career high of seven, but I, I noticed that he's actually only won one title this year coming uh, in Rotterdam. Uh, and he won eight titles last year. Um, it was a fantastic year for him last year. I'm, I'm just wondering if maybe halfway through the year to only have one title compared to his eight last year, do we class this as kind of a bit of a poor year for Andre Rublev uh, to be performing so much? Well, I mean, he got eight titles last year and it wasn't even a full calendar uh, because we missed so much of it because of COVID. So he's doing a lot worse than last year. It hadn't really been something that I'd noticed until doing my notes for this podcast, but I'm, I'm sort of thinking perhaps he's, he's underachieving a bit this year. I think he'll make up a lot of ground in the hard court swing after Wimbledon. Um, I think that's a similar sort of stretch of events where he did so well last year. I know he won in St. Petersburg, one of his home events. Um, so I still think he's a top class player on a, on a hard court. Uh, I think he's, you know, he justifies his ranking of, of seven in the world on that surface. And lucky for him, there are a lot of events on that surface um, in the calendar. So, you know, eight, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't see him replicating that, but I wouldn't, su- wouldn't surprise me to see him get at least four uh, by the end of the year. Um, you know, he'd be, be disappointed not to, not to go on and win, win the tournament um, in Halle, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm still not too concerned about Rublev. You know, I, we haven't had the chat about whether we see him as a as a future slam winner, but at, at 23, and I think the, the strides that he's made after serious injuries in his early 20s are still really impressive. And I I expect him to make up ground and, and probably qualify for the ATP Tour Finals by having a good hardcore swing after Wimbledon. Uh, so moving on to a couple of players that we wanted to mention in Halle. And one of them is Mr. Tennis himself, 39-year-old Swiss, former world number one, 29 Grand Slam winning uh, champion. And that's Roger Federer, of course. He had a rather disappointing week. A lot of fans were maybe pinpointing Haller as a good week for him to really prepare well for Wimbledon after, uh, of course, pulling out of the French Open quite suddenly after his win um, against Dominic Kerpfer. Now, Federer beat Ilya Ivashka in the first round, 7-6, 6-5. The Belarusian's been having a good season, so although that scoreline isn't too handsome, it's still quite a good win to get the job done in straights over Ivashka. And then he kind of fell off a cliff in the second round against Felix Auger Aliassime. Took the first set 6-4 and then was kind of level in, in the uh, second set. And Felix then managed to take it 6-3 and then wrapped up the, the deciding set in quite quick time 6-2. I know Felix on a grass court when he's serving well is a bit of a challenge, but for him to rattle off the deciding set 6-2 against Roger Federer was was slightly concerning if you're in the camp that thinks he can win another slam. Yeah, well, uh, Auger Lassine didn't face a break point at all in those last two sets. So to go two sets with Roger Federer on grass and not face a break point, that's that's pretty amazing, to be honest. I, I must confess, I didn't actually see any of this match, so I, I couldn't tell you if I thought Federer was looking, you know, good or looking uh, unfit ahead of Wimbledon. But um, I, I think the, the Avashka win is impressive. Um, to, to do that, Avashka is is definitely a, a good player. And I think he's qualified for uh, Eastbourne this week, or he might be a lucky loser, actually, uh, one of the two. I think I think he actually qualified. I know there's a few lucky losers that have gone through there. Um but yeah, Federer, like with Andy Murray, it's kind of hard to gauge where he is off of those two matches. Um, with it being Wimbledon, if he gets a nice draw, I could definitely see him making it into sort of the third, fourth round, possibly even quarterfinal if he gets put in a in a, a bit of a draw with with a sort of unreliable player, uh, someone who's never really gone that far at Wimbledon. Um, so yeah, I mean... It, hard to know. Felix, um, as you say, when you can't against someone serving like that on a grass court, 
perhaps Federer just was a bit out of out of his sort of power to to do anything about it. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see where he's at for Wimbledon. Uh, not playing this week, so his next match will be that first round of Wimbledon. And uh, really excited to see who he gets in the first round. Uh, obviously, he will be seeded, um, but uh, you know, whoever he gets in that first round, you feel could beat him. Um, you know, it's kind of a compared to other top ten players, perhaps it's a nice draw to get because he's not been playing like a top ten player for for a long time because he's obviously missed so much tennis. Uh, so maybe. I don't know, actually. That's a weird question. If you're a player, an unseeded player, and you're going to get a top 10 player in the first round, would you want it to be Federer? I don't know. I don't think so. I think you'd take Bautista a good over Federer. Is he a top 10 player? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Schwartz, Schwartzman's yeah. Fallen, fallen out of it. Oh, um, uh, I guess. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, yeah I think I said in the very first the episode we did of this podcast last July that I didn't think Federer would win another slam. I think I go as far as saying now. I don't think he'll ever get past the quarterfinal stage again. That that's the cap that I'm putting on my expectations of Federer Wimbledon. I, I would, think if if he can make the second week, he's done really well. I would say when you say he's never going to make it beyond the quarterfinal of a Grand Slam, I would say this is his last chance to do that. Like uh, I probably agree with you, but if he is going to make it beyond the quarterfinal of a Grand Slam, it's going to be Wimbledon, maybe the French. But it's not going to be any of the other two, um, and and with him being, you know, he's just going to get older. He's going to have more injury problems. Uh, yeah, I think this is his last chance to do that. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, maybe doing a disservice because he did play well at the French Open despite pulling out. Um, you know, produce some excellent tennis in that in that third round match against Dominic Kerfer. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Anyway, the final player that we're going to touch on in Halle is Felix Auger-Elliott. Aliassim, of course, a player who put out Roger Federer in the second round. Now, he beat Uber Erkac in the first round, which is an awesome win in itself. Um, and then, of course, Federer and then Marcus Giron, who's had some some decent wins in, in the last few weeks, had a solid little run. I think he might have made the third or fourth round of, of the French Open. Now, Auger Aliassim, two years ago in 2019, was a player that everyone was excited about. He was 18. Uh, he'd, he'd made some decent runs in Masters. He'd done well on clay, done well on hard. He was showing some form on grass. I think he might have made the final in Stuttgart. Um, I know he did this year, but I think he might have done it that year in 2019 as well uh, and lost out to Berrettini, if, if memory serves. Um, so he came into Wimbledon with a lot of plaudits, made it through his first couple of rounds in four sets and then lost to Ugo and Bear in three, which was seen as a bit of a shock at the time, even though he was just 18. Now at 20, he's 19 in the world. His ranking has sort of fluctuated in between. I'd imagine his career high is maybe 16, 17, and he's fallen back to maybe sort of 23, 24 in that sort of region. Um, but I don't think the hype is as much as it once was. Obviously, a huge serve might suit him a bit more to grass, and it was an amazing match that he put together despite Federer uh, looking a little weak, particularly in that deciding set. I just wanted to check your temperature on what your expect expectations are of Auger Aliassim at Wimbledon. He definitely is looking more comfortable on the grass, maybe than he has looked on any other surface so far this year. And I think it's obvious why, you know, his, his game style is very much grass court uh, suited with sort of the, the big serve, the powerful ground strokes. Uh, it's, it's definitely where he's going to succeed the most, I think, for, for the time being. Um, I definitely see that's where he he gets his success. I mean, what? How many finals is it he's been in now, and and not won a title? Eight, right? Um, yeah, and he hasn't and, even won know, a set. What, he hasn't even yeah, won a set you, in any of those finals. You want to say that when that title finally does come, if it does, uh, but if it finally does come, you want to say it will come on a grass court. But then, of course, the grass court season's so small that, you know, perhaps it, it will come on a hard court before the next grass court season. Um, I don't think he's playing this week, is he, in either of the tournaments? Um, no. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ahead of Wimbledon, he, he could go really far. I mean, he's one of those players that 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 should do really well at Wimbledon with, with a playing style like that. He's just been, he's been a bit odd, you know. I think he won, a, didn't he win a challenger title at the age of 16? Or maybe 17. Yeah, 16. Um, remarkable. And 
and maybe I, I I don't want to sort of pigeonhole him too much, but I do find at times he's maybe a little bit too reliant on his serve and and maybe has to work on other areas of game of his game if he wants to get further because you know if he doesn't and and this is no disrespect to, to sort of a, a John Isner or a Sam Query, but then I feel like maybe that's sort of I, I don't want to say it's I don't want to say it's his ceiling, but if he doesn't get the other things right, then he will sort of become one of those players who is still an amazing tennis player. Don't get me wrong. And, and Isner and Query have done brilliant things, especially at Grand Slam level um, and at Wimbledon. But they they haven't been able to win Grand Slams or, or really sort of challenge too much for Grand Slams because they haven't got the all-round game. And I, I do worry that Auger has seen sort of in that bracket. Yeah, of course, it was hugely disappointing to see him go out to Andreas Seppi in the first round of the French Open. So I'm sure he'll be wanting to put that behind him. And uh, yeah, he's his way into the tournament. He is coming into it on good form, obviously making the final in Stuttgart and the semi in Halle. You'd have to say it's decent preparation. Um, so unless you've got anything else to say, Michael, I think that brings us to the end of our sort of reaction part of the pod on, on Queen's Club and Halle. And we're going to move on to this week. We've got a couple of 250s rather than 500s. And we're going to start on the sunny shores of Mallorca. Um, bit of a surprise to see grass court tennis coming here. But of course, it's good to see. I think it's a, it's, it's a new tournament. Um, now, just to run through our predictions, obviously, we're going to, we, we, we've done our draws on, on tennisdrawchallenge.com. And uh, I'm going to ask you first, Michael, just to run through who you've got in the quarterfinals, maybe a bit about their pathways. And um, yeah, just, just, ones to watch for the week so uh top quarter final i've got uh, the number one seed daniel medvedev coming back off uh, a tough week in Halle, uh, losing that first round match uh, to jan leonard struff uh, really not sort of what we expected and especially considering jan leonard struff lost i think maybe today or, or yesterday to um no it would have been today to, to jan uh, to, to adrian manorino um so yeah um, I would say, yeah, but I, I've, I've still got Medvedev to get to the quarterfinal. Uh, he's got a buy, and then I had him to get through against uh, Lloyd Harris, but Lloyd Harris has lost to Quarantine Mute, uh, the young French player. I think he's only about 22, maybe. Um, and, uh, and actually, Mute could definitely challenge Medvedev. Um, he, when, he, when he plays well, Mute is a really good player um, and someone I would definitely be looking out for in the future. But I'm hoping Medvedev can can see this through and try and get some form ahead of Wimbledon. I've got him to face Kasper Ruud, uh, who got through today against uh, Gilles Simon and will face Tennis Sandgren in the second round. Um, second quarterfinal, Pablo Carreño Busta against Jordan Thompson. Um, Carreño Busta got a bye, got him to come through against uh, Caruso in the, the second round. Uh, and, and I've got Thompson. Uh, he has already beaten Pablo Andahar and, and I had him to beat Duzan Lajevic in the second round, but he'll now face uh, Lucas Klein, the or Klein, sorry, the, the qualifier. Uh, third quarter final, I've got uh, Sam Query against, uh, this is pro- probably one of my more outsider picks, uh, Stefano Travaglia. Um, I had him to beat Guido Pea, former uh, Wimbledon quarterfinalist of 2019. Uh, he did do that earlier today, but the, the real risk I've taken is having him to beat former Wimbledon semi-finalist of 2019, Roberto Bautista Agut. I think Bautista Agut, for me, just feels a little bit out of form. I can't remember who it was um, in the last couple of weeks, but I, I think he, he went out quite early uh, in the last couple of tournaments he played, and I, I don't feel like I've seen him go on too many good runs of late, and, and of course he is getting on a little bit, and Travaglia looked very good against Berrettini last week. Uh, actually, challenged him other than Norrie challenged him the most out of anyone in in the draw and that last quarter final I've got Feliciano Lopez the the never aging Feliciano Lopez I think 39 years old now um to face Dominic team uh who has a bye and I've got him to beat Jan Anastruff I've got a Lopez to beat qualifier Nicholas Kuhn I think his first name is Nicholas is it Nicholas Kuhn uh yeah I'm not sure. Yeah, I might have got that wrong, but Kuhn. Um, and then Hatchnoff in the second round. Uh, 
and I won't go any further ahead yet. I'll, uh, I'll pass back to Marcus to his quarterfinals. Yeah, Trevalia is looking decent on the grass, to be fair. So I kind of rate that uh, outside shot. Uh, Bautista gets lost to Laxonen in uh, the French Open, which is quite disappointing. And they lost to Seb Korda last week in Haller. I think you can forgive him that one. But yeah, on to my quarterfinals. Yeah, Medvedev versus Kasparud at the top. Uh, I've then got Yuri Vesely, who we haven't seen play in quite a long time um, to make the quarterfinal. I've actually got him to beat Pablo Carreno Buster in the second round. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe a bit of a wild card selection there. I've got him to meet Jordan Thompson in that quarterfinal. I think the Aussie's been doing well on grass in, in, in the last few years. Then I've got Sam Querrey, always a dangerous player at this stage of the season to face Roberto Bautista a good. I think Bautista has, has proven himself as a capable grass court player so far uh, in his career. But, of course, it's, it's going to be a battle of the 33-year-olds for me in that quarterfinal. And then at the bottom of the draw, I've got Karen Hatchinov, uh, Dominic Team, same as you. Um, Karen Hatchinov has actually snuck up to 25 years of age, so that was quite a surprise. Oh, no, of course, you had Feli Lopez uh, to, to make it. But, yeah, I've got Hatchinov. He's currently uh, set up against against Luca Pui, but I think a breakdown in the second. But, yeah, Hatchinov at 25. I, I still thought he was 24 at 25. It kind of strikes me that you really need to get going. I know we've been saying that for a few months, but, um, yeah, he needs to start acting like he's going to realise his potential. Otherwise, we're probably going to have to shift the, the benchmarks down a bit for Karen Hatchinov. Um, but yeah, to spoil the party on, on on who I've got to win the tournament, a bit of a shock I've gone for. Um, I had this guy to win the Lyon tournament uh, a few months ago, just before the French Open, he ended up losing to Cam Norrie. And I said, because I think he needs it more. And I'm going to say that again, because I feel like Dominic team needs match fitness is addicted to playing tennis. Like he played so many exhibitions during COVID times. And I think he needs it to build up his, his stamina and just his, just his mental strength ahead of Wimbledon. I think he needs it more than Daniel Medvedev, who might have an eye more than, you know, in the back of his mind, he might be thinking more about Wimbledon next week than Dominic team. So for that reason, I've got team to beat Daniel Medvedev in the final, probably a, a bit of a, a bit controversial, um, but yeah, that's, that's who I've gone for. Team to win what probably would be his first ever grass court title. No, I was actually looking this up earlier. Team actually has got a title on grass. Uh, it was one of his first titles. It might have been his second. Um, I, I want to say it was Stuttgart in maybe 16, 17, or maybe another grass court tournament that they now don't do. Um, I'd have to look at our afterwards, but he has got one grass court title I saw. Um, I've actually gone the complete opposite to you. I've got a 39-year-old Feliciano Lopez to beat Dominic Team in the quarterfinal. I've actually gone to make the final. Um, I just, you know, this guy just wows me on grass all the time. And I, I just feel, though Team will be favourite going into that match, of course, with Lopez being the age that he is. And obviously Lopez still needs to get there, still needs to get past uh, Kuhn on, and then either Hatchinoff or uh, Luca Puyi. But um, yeah, why not? Lopez to the final. Um, I've got him to come through against Query in the semi, two brilliant grass court players that will maybe not be the best spectators match uh, that there's ever been on a grass court. Um, in that top semi-final, I've got Medvedev Thompson. I think that might be the same as you. Um, Jordan Thompson having beat Andy Murray at Queen's just a few years ago, a very good grass court player. A player me and Marcus have both actually seen win on a grass course before over in Surbiton uh, against uh, John Patrick Smith, I believe that was against. Um, I've got Medvedev to win the title against Feli Lopez. Um, this is a bit of a weird one because all 17 finals that he's made, he's won 10 titles and seven runners-up, 17 finals. They all were on a hard court. He's never made the final on a final on a clay court. He's never made a final on a grass court. And, but, but I just don't understand, like, why is his game not amazing for grass? You know, he lost the strip last week. It, it, maybe you could tell me, Marcus, or maybe someone could at us at, at Tennis Fan List on Twitter and, and give me, a, like, a rational explanation of, of why he's not going on grass. But I watch him play on a hardcore, and every time I see him, I think, this guy should be brilliant on grass. He's got a brilliant serve. He's got really hard shots. He's got great court coverage as well. So he's not going to get smashed around by someone. But like, 
surely he has to finally do it. So that's why I've gone for him in this tournament. But not with an awful lot of confidence, especially after the loss to Yannan and Struff last week. But go on, can you give me anything, Marcus? Why why is Medvedev not good on grass? Um, yeah, overall inconclusive. Uh, I think he needs to improve at the net. I think that's a huge part of the game on grass. And I don't think Medvedev's feel is as good as other players, which maybe pays into why he's not as good on clay either. Um, but you know, I, I agree with you when, when I see him on, on hard, I think this guy should definitely be able to transfer his form over to grass. And I, I still feel like he can, you know, he, he was 23 at the last Wimbledon. Um, he's definitely matured a lot since then. I think he's made his two Grand Slam finals since that tournament, uh, in uh, 2019. So I, I do think this is a much improved Daniel Medvedev we're seeing on the grass court season compared to the one two years ago. So yeah, I don't begrudge you at all for, for picking Medvedev to win the title. He is very uh, sort of earning of, of, of being the top seed for the event. So, yeah, I think we should definitely see Medvedev transfer that form onto the grass courts at some point in the near future. Um, what I would course... say, just, just very quickly on that, looking ahead at his draw, I actually feel like Mute in the second round could be his hardest opponent to play on a grass court. Um you know, Casper Ruud obviously a good player, but but maybe a bit more of a clay quarter. I don't really remember him doing anything on grass. Um, I mean, Thompson's very good. Um, there's other players in that bit of a draw which I might not put to get through, but I, I do think if he's going to go out before the final, for me, he goes out in the next round to Mute. Yeah, fair enough. I, I do see that, despite Mute lost to Philip Kohlschreiber last week, but then beating Lloyd Harris today was, was very impressive. So, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that concludes our analysis on on Mallorca and our predictions. Finally, we we reach Eastbourne down on the lovely su- uh, south coast in Sussex, and um, I'm going to go first with my with my quarterfinal picks for this one. Now, at the top of the draw, I have I think one of the <laughs> one of the worst quarterfinals I've put together this year in terms of predictions. Now, at the top of the draw, I have James Duckworth versus Andreas Seppi as a, a quarterfinal in Eastbourne. I've got Duckworth to knock out the top seed game one feet in the second round and to beat a lucky loser in the first round. Got Seppi to come through matches against Yoshihito Nishioka and Emil Rusevori. Um, I think the 37-year-old tends to show up at slams. I mentioned earlier he beat Felix Auger-Aliassime in uh, Paris, in uh, Roland Garros. So I think I want to be getting into some good preparation for Wimbledon. Uh, two quite experienced experienced players of course Duckworth at 29 Aussies tend to be quite decent on uh, grass um, so yeah not, not going off too much it's more of an anti-Gale Monfils play that I've gone for Duckworth there in the top quarter final then at the second quarter final I've got Lorenzo Sonego uh, of course has got a grass court title I'm pretty sure I've got him to beat the very impressive John Millman in the second round which I think could be a very inter- interesting match should it materialise I've got him to meet Alexander Bublik of course uh, wanted to sort of make up for his loss to Jack Draper last week in the second quarter final. Then I did have Cam Norrie in the third quarter final. Obviously, he's pulled out and it's going to be, it hasn't been named yet who the lucky loser, uh, I think, who's going to replace him in the draw. So for me, it's between Ivashka or um, Alexei Popyrin. I think Ivashka may have the upper hand there, as Popyrin did look like he was struggling a little bit on the grass at Queen's. We've got, got him, got whoever ends up in that place to face Riley Opelka in uh, the third quarter final. I've got him to beat Martin Fuchovitz. And I think, yeah, I think Opelka could be a test. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he went on and, and won the whole thing, to be honest. Uh, then at the bottom of the draw, I've got probably my most exciting quarter final, which is Alejandro Davidovich Fokina versus Alex Dimonor. Got Dimonor to get past Francis Tiafoe, who's had a decent grass court season so far, winning one of the challenges in Nottingham on his way there. And then uh, uh, ADF to get past Michele Mayer and Vasek Pospisil, which is a name uh, I'm glad to see back on a tennis court. It's had a very stop and start year as Pospisil. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see that match, ADF versus ADM, should it come to pass. But, yeah, th- those are my quarterfinals. What are yours? Yeah, interesting not to see uh, either of 2019's finalists playing this year. Uh, they that being Sam Query and Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz, uh, the the reigning champion, but obviously choosing not to defend his title unless he's injured. I'm not aware that he's injured, but um, you know, obviously chosen not to play this year. Um, the top quarter final, I have backed uh, number one to Gail Monfils to get there, and I've got him to face Albert Ramos. 
more just gone with Ramos because the fact that he got a set off of Norrie last week tells me that maybe he is playing well on the grass. I didn't see the match, but there's no one really in his little quarter, to be honest, I can really see beating him. Seppi is a former winner of Eastbourne, possibly more than once. Uh, I know he's definitely won it at least once. Um, so, of course, you know, a good player has come through qualifying uh, this week. Um, so, of course, yeah, definitely a threat. But I've actually got Ramos to get to the semi-final, beating Monfils in that quarter-final. Um, John Millman, Alexander Bublik, I've got in my next quarter-final. Um, I've, I've got Bublik to run on to the final and to win it. Uh, it's a little spoiler going ahead, sorry. I didn't really mean to do that, but I've, I've done it now. Um yeah, it, a bit of a risk, to be honest, after not looking great on the grass last week, obviously losing to Draper. But um, I do think he's got a game that, that could work quite well on grass when he gets it going. Uh, and he's having a brilliant year. So, yeah, uh, I've, I've got him, Milman, in my second quarterfinal. Third quarterfinal, Alexei Poppyrin against Riley Opelka. I think I've gone with my heart more than my head and put Poppyrin to win this match. Um, again, Poppy Rin, I'm backing to get to the final purely because I think he should be good on cross uh, with his playing style, a bit of a Medvedev situation in, in that I see the big serve, I see the good ground strokes. He's quite good at the net. Uh, so I see I see someone who should be doing well on grass. Um, and like you, I've got ADF against ADN in that bottom quarterfinal. Um, Poppy Rin to beat Diemner in the semi, uh, Bublik to beat Ramos in the semi and, and Bublik to go on to win it. But um I think for me, Eastbourne, I don't want to call it a lottery, but I, I do think anything could really happen in this draw, especially the week before a Grand Slam. Uh, you don't know which players are going all out for it and, and which players want to conserve a bit of energy. Um, so, yeah, any anything could happen. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased to see Joe Wilfred Songa in the draw, possibly his last grass court season. Don't know, but I do feel like the retirement's coming. Um Saw him out on the practice courts yesterday um, and was kind of pleased that his match has been rained off today and will be on tomorrow. So there is a chance could see Songa grass him off in that first round uh, tomorrow on court two. I, I'm kind of in two minds about where I would want to see it. He's one of my favourite players, uh, Songa. And I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to see it if he gets beaten quite easily because uh, he's not been in good form and hasn't really played a lot at all since COVID came in. Um but then maybe a last chance to see him play on, on the grass course would be really nice, actually. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, the the couple of tournaments that took place just the week before the French Open, we saw Alex Mulcan reach the, front, uh, the, the final in Belgrade. And then uh, Seb Corder went on to win his first title in, in Palma on the clay. So I think, you know, something reminiscent of that would not be too much of a surprise this week. We are, yeah, more prone to some huge shocks, of course, with with Wimbledon around the James corner. James Ward? You never know. He's got Vasek Pospisil in the first round. Is it James Ward's time to, uh, to put another run together at an ATP 250 event? At the age of what, like? 40 well not quite he's probably 35 I'd have a guess at but yeah I don't know not not in his prime anymore is, is James War, but it's good to see him back out on court of course um I think that brings us to the end of the episode you got reactions there to Queens and Hallow and a preview of Mallorca and Eastbourne it's going to be a really exciting week of course we're going to have one eye on Wimbledon qualifying as well um always good to watch the Grand Slam qualifying lots of young players on show and um yeah gonna gonna see who's made of sterner stuff and who's going to be able to push on to the first round. Of course, it's a huge paycheck and it means so much to players of that level. It's nowhere near as, as glamorous of a profession as, as we see the types of players that are playing in slam qualities. Yeah, just talking quickly about Wimbledon, uh, Carlos Alcaraz, I don't know if you saw it, got given a wild card uh, along with the other Brits. Um, I know you're a big fan of, of Alcaraz. I'm, I'm not too aware of his grass court pedigree. I don't know if you know any more than, than me. Uh, no, you, you, you're putting a face if you don't. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what you, you might expect to see from, from Alcaraz uh, going ahead in this tournament. I know, obviously, we can't see the draw yet, but at uh, 17 years old, it could be a really exciting, uh, he could be a really exciting prospect to see in the Wimbledon main draw. 
Yeah, he's never played a senior match at grass court level, so I have absolutely no idea, to be honest. Uh, in 2019, I'm just having a look, he did make the quarterfinals, I think, of the boys. So, I mean, no idea. But I, I do see a big serve and a lot of power on the forehand. You know, comparing him to Lorenzo Massetti, another up-and-coming guy that we've seen have more success on the clay, I do see uh, Carlos Alcaraz as a player who might be um, a bit more ready to to transfer that. I think his game does suit up better to to the harder and the grass courts than the clay. So it definitely could be an interesting player, and uh, just just to see who he gets in the first round. Um, so yeah, I think we'll we'll be back towards the end of the week to look ahead to the closing exchanges of these tournaments, and then we'll be hitting with hitting you with a a bumper Wimbledon preview for sure towards the end of the week as well. So. Uh, stay safe and enjoy the tennis and uh, yeah I'll see you in the morning Michael a bit of an early one yeah looking forward to it just uh, before I say goodbye I want to owe an apology to James Ward said he was 35 looked it up he's actually 34 I feel like I've done him a massive misservice there we've got another year of James Ward left uh, more than I than I expected so uh, yeah I'm, I'm holding out all my hopes for him uh, probably on court two against Pospisil tomorrow. Uh, if, well, actually, we don't know what they're going to be doing with the scheduling uh, with, with two rounds of matches to play. Uh, but thank you very much for listening.